This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of The Crystal Pain Show. This topic for today is fresh on my mind because I just turned in the second round of my manuscript for my new book that's not coming out for 11 more months as of when we're recording this, but we're thick in the editing process. I think a lot of people don't realize how long of a process writing a book is. So mm-hmm. This is my fifth book. I have to think about that. Um, and today we're going to just dive into how I found time to write a book, kind of the book writing process and things that I found that work for me. And these could be applied, you know, what I'm going to share to maybe any large project that you have, anything that you Mm -hmm. want to do that feels daunting, overwhelming, kind of feels like this huge mountain, but you're like, I want to climb that, but I just don't know how to find the time for it. I don't know how to do it. Um, I just want to share some things that I have learned and what was really beneficial and helpful for me over the past. I'm trying to think how many months it's been. I think I started writing in September. I feel like I started writing in September, turned in the manuscript in February. That was the first draft and then got my edits back in March and had five weeks to do the substantive edits and just turned those in. And so we'll still have three more rounds of edits, but it'll be um, more things like smaller 
sentence structure, typos, getting into the nitty gritty details. It won't be like rewriting whole chapters, which the substantive edits are the hardest because you usually have to shift and change and rewrite a lot. And I did. I rewrote the beginning and the end of the book and then a lot in the middle. It kind of changed a lot of shape. Anyway, so we'll talk about that. But first, Jesse, we had an exciting week. Our girls both had prom last night, mm-hmm. which the was first, second. Was their second prom? Um, it was their second, but it was their first kind of collaborating and really making an event of it. Yes, um, Catherine, our oldest, she's seventeen, and she is so different than Caitlin, who is fourteen. <laughs> They're both in high school. Catherine is a junior. Caitlin is a sophomore. Um, But Caitlin is one who like for months in advance is looking at pictures and wanting to go try on dresses. She's been talking about this for a long time. Thinking through hairstyles and shoes and, you know, how it's all going to come together. And she had her dress purchased. I made her wait. She wanted to purchase it, I think, probably in... February or something, but I was like, let's wait a little bit longer just in case you change your mind, find something better. But then finally she was like, no, this is the dress. So she's, she had it for at least two months before prom, but Catherine, she's the one who the day before prom would be like, you know what? <laughs> I need a dress. <laughs> I'm, I, you know what? I, I'm going to go tomorrow. So what am I going to wear? And, but this year was our first kind of official real prom in the sense of that she was asked to prom and she had a whole promposal. Um, young man showed up at our door with uh, Chick-fil-A and flowers. There were three promposals, actually. <laughs> he asked her early on, I think, to make sure she was going to say yes before he went to all the effort to like do the whole shebang. Um, and She asked him then. <laughs> she, and then he did the... Did a funny one, yeah. thing asking him, and then yes, I, then I, he. I told her she should say no the third time, yes. you know. Let's say. But anyway, so I told her I was like, "Honey, you're gonna have to actually. You can't just phone this one in if you're actually being taken by, you know, brought to prom by a boy. You need to be thinking about this ahead of time and stuff." And so she did, and she told me last night when they got home really late. Actually, it was early this morning. You know, she's like, "Mom, twelve oh two, who's counting?" <laughs> This is the first time that I really put a lot of effort and time into, Mm -hmm. you know, she had planned her dress. I think she had it figured out at least a week and a half (laughs) beforehand. So that's progress. And um, she went and got her hair done and she got her nails done and she just had like every day for an entire week, she had something she had to do. Oh, and she had ordered, she ordered the flowers mm-hmm. early. And I was just, it was just yeah. really fun to see. And it was just fun also for the girls to do it together. Exactly. I was going to say that, that that's what would, to me, that was so enjoyable to see. And it's just interesting because for the longest time, they're two and a half years apart. They were just constantly irritating one another. Is that a, mm-hmm. is that the best way to mm-hmm. say that? Um, and I never would have really seen them as good friends. They just, their personalities are like we talked about completely opposite. And yet in the last year and a half, I feel like, um, 
they have just become really good friends. Mm -hmm. And it's just been as a parent to just watch their relationship blossom. And um, last night for Catherine and her date to want to take Caitlin and her friend and like to have this evening planned out and to want to include them. And it wasn't like, even like they were including them. It wasn't an afterthought. Or like, or like, oh, we're going to be nice and do this. It was like, no, we want them to be with us. Like we enjoy their company. And so that was just really cool. And it was really fun. It was the first time that like the two of them together kind of planned out their outfits and Caitlin helped Catherine with her makeup and they kind of got ready together mm-hmm. like friends typically do for prom. It was just, it was just a really sweet um, and special day yesterday. And then they asked if the parents could come. There was a group of them, three different couples, and they asked for the parents to come and take pictures at this barn um, that one of the family owns. And we just had such a great time. Like I literally which is crying tears laughing because it was so funny and fun and just, just a really special day. So I think there's, you know, we talked last episode about raising teens and there's just this kind of feeling out there that the teenagers have to be so hard and stressful and scary and frustrating. And there are, like we talked about last week, there are hard things, but I think there's also can be so much fun and beauty. And I was talking to one of the moms who she has adult children and teenagers. And she was saying how her teenagers keep her young. She said the adult children actually are the ones that like (laughs) age her. She said, you you (laughs) never think of that. But like, she's like, when they leave, it's just, it's so much more. She's like, it's just this weird thing. But she's like, the teenagers, they just keep me young and just make me laugh. And um, so anyway, there's, there was a lot of that yesterday. I recently finished a book by Tori Hope Peterson. It was her first book. It was called Fostered. She um, is actually someone who was in the foster care system. And so this is kind of a memoir of her experience and just her life. And I didn't know what I was going to think of it. I, I got to read a pre-release copy and she asked me to write an endorsement and I felt like the book was so valuable. Just hearing from someone who walked through years of being in the foster care system and what she wishes could be changed, what she wishes could be done differently, her perspective of what it's like to be a child in foster care, what it's like to be a teen in foster care, what it's like to age out of foster care. Mm. Um, And, you know, one of the things that she talks about was just so many situations where um, people would make promises or people would act like they were going to, you know, stay in her life. But then when things would come up, hard things would come up, so many of them walked away. Mm. And just how there were very few people who stayed for the long haul. And um, it was just really powerful to see the impact that those few people had. Um, And I just felt like anyone who does anything with foster care, if you are considering foster care, if you are a foster parent, if you are... Um, a social worker, if you have anything to do with foster care, this would be a really, really valuable book to read just to get kind of that insider perspective um, of what it's like 
to be on the kind of receiving end of the services. And she had some really good things to say of how she wishes things could be changed in the state system and just why why are we not approaching it this way? And wouldn't this be so much better for kids if we were to do this? And it was just, it was very thought provoking for me and just really, really valuable content. So again, that was fostered by Tori Hope Peterson. I think the book comes out really soon, sometime in the next few months, and um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. Jesse, I got something recently that I've heard of for years. You're like, where is this going? (laughs) You have no idea. No, I don't. I've heard of for years. I've seen for years. And I've always just been like, that just feels like too extravagant or just like. Was this a gift for me? Was this. (sighs) No. Is there a new car outside or what? (laughs) No. Sorry. You're really going to be let down when I tell what this is. Um, But it was just one of those things like you've heard of it for years and years and years and you've seen other people have it. You've heard people rave about it. And then you finally get it and you're like, oh, now I understand. Any guesses of what this is? Uh, No. Okay. It was a body pillow. Okay. And so... The reason that you're probably thinking, um, well, she hasn't used it very much is because I got this in the mail. It was actually a company sent it to me because they were wanting me to talk about it on the internet. And I was like, well, send it to me. I'll see what I think. And I kind of was a bit cynical. But as soon as it came in the mail, you had to like unroll it out of this Amazon package. And then it fluffed all up. It took 24 hours to do that. And then all, but all the kids, as soon as I got out, they're like, mom, can I have it? Please. Can I have it? Can I sleep with it? Can I put it in my room? Mom? Oh, mom. And then they, they were, every single one of them went and laid on the floor with it to try it out. And it it has rarely made its appearance in our room because it's been like musical pillows going around for (laughs) people to get to use it. But I now understand why people are such fans of these things, especially at almost eight months pregnant. It is so great to not only use for sleeping, but because I have to lay down and rest quite often, you can stick it in your bed and kind of prop it up so that you can use it if you're reading or working on the computer or whatever. And there's just so many different ways and positions that you can use it. And I think it was, well, we did it. We posted a deal about it. So I, it was under was under $30, which it's a big pillow. That's a good price. Yes, it was It was a really good deal. I, I think regularly it's a little bit more than that, but we'll put a link in the show notes to it. But I was very, very impressed with this brand and this pillow. There's probably other body pillows that are great too. This one, the one cool thing about it was that you could actually unzip the inside. And so you can pull the outside cover off to wash, mm-hmm. which is great but then you can unzip the inside and you could actually pull out the filling. Mm. So if you felt like it was, yes, like you can kind of customize it to Mm -hmm. how you like it, which the company told me that that's not a real common thing. Usually it's just like, here's what you get kind of thing. So anyway, I'm sold. Now I understand why people are 
big fans of body pillows. Yeah, I've seen other pillows like that too, like the like the square pillow that's supposed to be for your neck for side sleepers and different ways of arranging pillows when you sleep. And maybe it's a thing. I don't know, but um, I've never tried it. So we do have like seven pillows. We have on seven, our yeah. Bed though, they're we, usually all on the floor. No, no, no. Yes, I usually throw them on the floor. Okay, well, I like to sleep with multiple pillows right now. I like to, I kind of have this like tower of pillows, but the body pillow makes up for, I don't need as many when I use the body pillow. Today's episode is sponsored by CodeSpark Academy. CodeSpark is the number one learn to code app. It teaches kids the ABCs of coding and basic computer programming skills, all without having to even know how to read. I have looked at this app and it is so cool. And I really wish that Silas was a little bit younger or (laughs) our younger kids were a little bit older so they could take advantage of it because it is a very highly rated educational app and it has hundreds of activities and games. And it's teaching kids the fundamentals of computer science and introducing them to the world of STEM. And they get to learn how to code, and it teaches the basic problem-solving, logical thinking skills, it encourages creativity, it instills persistence and resilience, and it really boosts their confidence. And I think the skills that it's teaching are things that kids are likely going to need in this new world of technology. And plus, the games are so fun to play, they don't even know that they're learning this stuff. So if you want to try out CodeSpark, here's the cool thing. They are offering a completely free month to all of my listeners. You're going to get unlimited coding challenges, new skills every week, hundreds of educational puzzles, unlimited access to their entire creativity suite. CodeSpark Academy is designed for kids ages five to nine years of age. It's great for boys and girls, and they really design the app to increase engagement And to get girls who sometimes aren't as interested in coding, really interested in it as well. To get your free 30-day trial, all you need to do is go to CodeSpark.com and use my coupon code MSM30 at checkout. That's going to give you a completely free 30-day trial. So go to CodeSpark.com, use coupon code MSM30, and enjoy your free 30-day trial. Thank you so much to CodeSpark Academy for sponsoring this episode. So let's talk about how I found time to write a book. First off, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, but I wrote three books. My last book came out, well, I said my last book, my, of those three books, the last book of that came out in 2015 and it was called Money Making Mom. And I just was like, I'm not writing any more books because at that point it was so much work and stress to write a book. And it took so much from our family. It took so much from the business. It just took so much brain energy. And I was like, this is just not worth it for the time involved, for the mental and emotional capacity, and for how it's taking away from my family. I'm just not going to write any more books. But then it was 2019, I believe, that... Bethany House Publishers came to me and they said, we really feel like you have some more books in you. And I had kind of been feeling a little bit of that itch to write more, but I felt like I'm only going to do this if I can do this in a completely different way. 
because I do not want to write books and have it be so much stress to our home and life. It's just not worth it. And so I kind of gave them this whole long list of, I would only consider writing a book again if all of these things. And they were just amazing to say, Crystal, we want to walk alongside you and help make that happen. And so I wrote Love Centered Parenting and it ended up being just a really, I I don't know any other word to say than life-giving process for me. Like it felt almost as if the book wrote itself. It was like there was this message boiling up inside of me that needed to come out. And as it came out, it just felt so almost like healing or, or something for me to just put these words on paper. And writing for me is very cathartic. And so it was, but it wasn't this stressful, oh, I got to get these this much done today. I got to get these words in. It was just this really wonderful process. And, you know, there were times when it was a lot, um, but the whole process of writing that book, editing that book, launching that book was just such a different experience. And so I signed a three book deal with Bethany House Publishers. So we were talking about what the next book was going to be. And I actually had a completely different idea of what I was going to write. I wrote an outline for that. We talked with the publisher, talked to my editor, and I was kind of really going on this road of that's the book that it was going to be. And then they came back to me and they said, we just, we just want you to consider. Remember back in the beginning when we were talking about book ideas, we had talked about you writing a book on time management. And we just really feel like this is a good time for this book to happen, what would you think about writing that book? And my initial reaction was, no, absolutely not. I'm writing this other book. Like, this is the book I already wrote the outline for. I already got, mm-hmm. you know, I'm already thinking of stories and and all the material to support what I want to share. And, but then I stepped back and I was like, let me just take a day. And you and I talked about it and I prayed about it. And there was just this part in me that just felt like maybe I'm supposed to write this book. But my biggest pushback was thinking there are so many books out there on time management. Like how could I have a fresh approach? How could I have a unique perspective when I'm competing with some of the greatest works. I mean, I feel like some of these books, like you think of Atomic Habits um, by James Clear is one that it's almost always in the top 100 of books on Amazon. And sometimes just the other day when I was actually um, going to look up something because I mentioned it in my book and I was like, it's number one on Amazon again. Like, I don't even know how many copies it's sold. And so you just feel like you are competing against these great works and what do you have to offer? But my editor just kept saying to me, Crystal, I feel like that you have a perspective to share that is different than other people. And you have lived out so many principles for years. What if you were to just kind of download that all into a book? And I did think about it a lot and realize the question that I'm asked probably most often it's kind of like, how do you do it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a lot that I am juggling, 
But I think one of the biggest secrets is that I have really good systems in place. I streamline and I simplify. And so I was thinking, how could I put that in a book? And so I'm really, really excited with the almost end product. We're still in edits, but really, really excited with what kind of came up from all of that. But it was this weird whiplash of I was writing this one book and then I'm writing this completely different book that's like very practical, very hands-on, very step-by-step versus this, I thought I was going to be writing this like very heartfelt sort of book. And so I just wanted to share kind of my process. And, you know, it's interesting because we're talking about how I found time to write a book. And this is a book on time management. And the interesting thing was I close out the book with sharing how I didn't know in September when I started writing this book that we were going to be saying yes to adopting baby D. Had no idea. We thought he was going to be getting ready to transition to his forever family. And then God, through a very crazy series of events that we talked about on another podcast episode, showed us that actually we were his forever family. So I was thinking that, you know, we were going to be making that transition and then that was going to be freeing up a lot of space for writing. And then three weeks later, found out that I was pregnant completely unexpectedly. And so those two things were not in the plan when I said yes to writing this book and yes to a fairly tight deadline, which I started writing in September and I turned in the manuscript. It was due February 15th. And so it was just interesting because I got to live out the principles. And like never before, I got to basically say, okay, is what I'm sharing in this book, does it actually work? Mm -hmm. And I was a hands-on case study the entire writing process because writing a book in the middle of morning, noon, and night sickness when you have so much fatigue and exhaustion and nausea while you also have five other children was a very interesting experience. But God was so faithful. And so I I share very openly and honestly in the book kind of that process and what I learned from it. But... um, One of the things that was super helpful for me is, and that I've learned with writing a book or any large project like this, is I've got to break it down into bite-sized pieces. And if I just, you know, open up a blank page on the computer and be like, okay, I'm going to write a book, that is a recipe for disaster. And also a recipe for confusion and a lack of coherency and clarity. And so I start with an outline. I spend a lot of time thinking through, praying through, processing through, talking with other people. Jesse, you and I talk a lot about what this outline is going to be and the bones of the book. Because if I have the bones, it's a lot easier for me to fill in the meat part, but Mm -hmm. I need strong bones first. And so um, I spent the better part of a month just focusing on the outline, just getting the bones in place reworking, reworking, rethinking, rethinking, and just giving it time to marinate. And then once I have that outline, then I planned out how I was going to write the pieces for, you know, I have this much time. I need to write this much. I'm going to break this down into weekly and even daily bite-sized pieces. And then I put it, I map it all out 
on Google Calendar. And I actually talk a lot about Google Calendar in the book and my hybrid system of Google Calendar and my time block to-do list and how that really is one of my sanity savers. But mapping it out on Google Calendar and leaving plenty of breathing room and wiggle room. And so it's not like every single day, but there's space and looking at my calendar saying, well, this week we're going to be out of town this weekend. So I'm not going to plan to do any writing and just spacing it out. And then I just focus on one chapter at a time, one section of one chapter at a time. And for me, that helps me to just kind of clear out all the other noise to clear out all the other dauntingness. That's not a word. What's what's the word that I'm looking for? Like looking at the mountain and thinking, I have so many more chapters to write. Right. Just focus on this section, one section at a time. And then I hired Stacy Thacker. She helped me with Love Centered Parenting and she just walked with me along the process um, very much as an accountability partner to stick with the goals that I had set. But also then every time I finished a chapter, I would send it to her and she would give me feedback. And then I'd edit the chapter, send it back to her. Most every chapter went through three revisions just in my writing process. So having that was very helpful for me. And then once I had all of the manuscript done, which was very much the rough draft, but then I sent it on to another friend who then she critiqued the whole thing and Stacy also critiqued the whole thing. I also find it really helpful to read it out loud. So sections where I wasn't sure how it came across um, or I just wanted to make sure that it was very solid. Reading it aloud, especially to you, Jesse, was very helpful. Honestly, even if you weren't even listening, just for me to exercise reading the book out loud. Like Mm -hmm. just that practice helps me to think through, oh, does this make sense? And so often I'll find big holes just by doing that. Or mistakes that you need to correct. Yes. Or just something that like, oh, why did I put that there? It needs to be there. Mm -hmm. Um, And then starting the editing process. So once that is all done, then sending it into my editor, she does the really in-depth editing and sends it back to me. And this time was really cool because Jennifer Dukesley is my editor at Bethany House, and she was in town right when she needed to send the edits back to me. And so we actually got to sit down face-to-face, which was just incredibly valuable because we were able to then talk through. And I get so much inspiration by just talking with someone in real time. And so usually they would just send you the edited manuscript. They'd send you a document that has kind of like high level, here's the here's what you really need to work on and focus on and change overall. But for her to go over that with me and then for me to bounce ideas back to her off of her in Mm -hmm. real time, I just feel like it's going to make the manuscript so much stronger. And it made the edits so much better because I was able to just have that opportunity to talk through that with her. So that was real blessing. Well, I I think that visit in and of itself was a game changer because I mean, after that meeting, you came, you were just, excited about the changes that you were going to be making. And these weren't small changes either. Well, it was interesting because when I turned in the book, um, writing a book when you have morning, noon, and night sickness is a very interesting thing. Because for me, anytime that I spend a lot of time listening to, watching, wearing, reading, anything, when I'm in the middle of the first 12-ish weeks of my Mm -hmm. pregnancy, that thing will forever make me nauseous 
For instance, there are a few different um, YouTube videos that Kirsten watched a lot when I was having morning sickness. And anytime she turns those on now, I'm just like, you got to turn that off. That's making me really sick to my stomach. So my concern was that if I'm spending so much time with this manuscript, Mm -hmm. once I get it done, every time I go back to it, it's going to make me really sick to my stomach and I'm not going to be able to focus on it and do a good job of editing it because of that. So I kind of had to almost distance myself from it and write it, but without like feeling connected to it. And so after we had the, she did the first round of edits, I feel like I was able to go back to it and really connect with it. But also I felt like I was able to fall in love with it. Whereas before I hadn't fallen in love with it because I just didn't let myself get that close to it, which sounds really weird, but that was the only way that I knew to approach it without it making me sick for the rest of my life. Do you think though that that helped with making the edits? I was listening to a podcast here today and the guy had on another author and he was like, the edit editing process is so hard because you're going back through and looking at these texts that you've written that you fall in love with. And you think his, his words were, it's the best text that was written since the Bible. And so do you think that, and so you don't want to make the changes because you're so in love with it. Do you think that because you were not so connected with it, that it was much easier to make those edits and make those changes that you needed to? Yes, I absolutely think so. And it's interesting because she, we were talking and she's like, I really love this, blah, blah, blah. And I said, to be truthful and honest, I love the first chapter and a half. And that is all I said, because that's, that's the part that I wrote before I started getting really sick. And the rest of it, I feel like I just don't love it. And it's not there yet. And I want to get it there. And so our conversation and the edits that she made allowed me to then go back to it with completely fresh eyes and be able to just make it so much better. And I was actually surprised because I hadn't read it real in depth and spent a lot of time with all the words. Um, I'd kind of just stayed at a very high level. And I was like, I can't believe that I actually wrote this well when I felt so poorly. And I was just like, that's the grace of God. So much the grace of God. But it was just, it was, um, it was wonderful to get to go back to it and make it so much better. And to the manuscript then that I turned in just this a few days ago, I love so much. Like I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. And that's what you want. You want to write something that you're very passionate about and very excited about. And so I I do agree with you that I feel like almost that distance made it so much stronger than for me to go back to because I didn't have that connection with it. Mm -hmm. And now I do, but the edits from here on out are going to be minor edits. And I'm, I love it when we do the minor edits because those are for me so much fun because you're just tweaking and fine tuning and making it a lot better, but you're not having to go in and just like chop and hack and like right. completely dramatically like change the whole face of a chapter or start over. Or even put chapters in different places. Yes. Well. Start over from the beginning. Um, so one of the biggest things for me that I've learned is that I cannot write well in longer blocks of time than 20 to 45 minutes. And so that might feel like a really short amount of time, but I find that if I'm just really in-depth, like focused writing, by about 20, 30, 45 minutes in, my brain is shot. And if I just continue to sit there and try to keep writing, 
it's just mush. Like the words that are going to come aren't going to be good. So I just set a goal of working on it every single day for 20 to 45 minutes. Now, when I get closer to the deadline, as you know, this past week, I had multiple 20 to 45 minute sessions that I was working on in one day. (laughs) But it's amazing how just in 20 to 45 minutes a day, every single day consistently, pretty much, there were very few days that I missed. You can get so much done. Mm -hmm. You set your timer. You are, you know, in a space that is conducive for helping you to just really focus and you can just knock out a lot in that amount of time. And so I found for me this time, it was usually in the mornings. It was one of the first things that I did. And I found doing it first thing in the morning, kind of when I was fresh, I'd read my Bible, I'd kind of mapped out my day and was ready to go and then just sit down and write. Mm -hmm. And I would get so much done in that little block of time. And then it was kind of the rest of the day, you'd be like, I already got my writing done. (laughs) And it's just that great feeling of you accomplish this big thing first thing in the day. And so that worked well for me. And I think just really breaking it down into those bite-sized pieces, putting it on my calendar, and then having that focused block of time first thing in the morning was the key for this book getting written in the cracks of time. Like Mm -hmm. there was very, very little... I would say the last week before I turned it in the first draft and the last week before I turned it in the second draft, I did, I definitely, you know, said to you, Hey, I'm going to have to spend more time on the book this week. There's a lot of little things that I need to focus on. So I'm going to, we're going to have to set aside some time for that. But other than that, it just happened in the little cracks of time. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, just commit to writing what, I don't know, 3000 words a, a day just get ink on paper and you get get the book written. This is better because that almost seems overwhelming to take a look at, oh, I need to write 3,000 words. Maybe it's even 300. I, I'm, not, I'm not a writer. So anyway, but that 20 minute time block, that's what I do for reading. I mean, I know other people in our family have used it for studying. It just seems very doable. It is. And almost anyone can find 20 to 45 minutes in your day. And so I just want to encourage anyone who's listening, if you have this thing that you want to do, you know, whether it's start a business or write a book or whatever it is that feels like this huge project, break it down into bite-sized pieces and commit to focus on it for a little bit of time every single day. And consistency added up over time that's where you really see the progress and the fruit. And the other thing for me that I just want to mention that I found really helpful is so if I would be working on that little section, then I would stop and I would go on with my day. But throughout the day, I'd still be working on it, like in my head. Mm -hmm. So maybe I got stopped and I was like, I don't know where to go with this, or I need an illustration, or you know, I want to have this be alliterated or I want to have three points under this or I need a chapter title or, you know, whatever. So then just throughout the day as I'm washing dishes or cleaning or walking on the treadmill, I'm just kind of working on it in my head. And it is amazing how much work I could get done when I wasn't sitting at my computer doing focused work. And so that's another thing that I found to be really helpful is to just kind of give yourself for the day, okay, 
you know, you did your 20 to 45 minutes and then, okay, what is the thing that I'm going to take throughout the day that I'm just going to be working on mentally? And so often the best ideas would come to me throughout that day when I didn't have my computer open and I just quickly go and jot them down so I didn't forget it. And then the next day I could pick right back up, take that idea and then, you know, expand on it and actually write it out in the book and just doing that every single day. It was amazing how there are 55,000 words in this book and I'm really, really excited about it and really, really happy about it and can't wait to share it with the world. And so look for it. I think March, 2023 is what it will be coming out. And of course, we'll be talking more about it as it gets closer to the launch date. But thanks so much for listening. Um, if you have questions about writing a book, I always love to do my best to be able to help. I've learned a lot from a lot of mistakes that I've made. I've self-published. I've traditionally published through three different publishers. I've worked with a lot of different PR agencies and marketing people, and I've tried a lot of things. And You've had an agent. <laughs> Not don't have, don't an, have agent. an agent now. A lot of things that do work and don't work. And I'm always happy to just be, no pun intended or pun fully intended, an open book because I feel like when I first started, I didn't know. There's so much that I didn't know that I wish somebody would have just given me numbers or told me what to expect. So if you have questions, you're always welcome to email crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thanks so much for joining us today and we'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com.